Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Dana Gould is a stand-up comedian, writer, and performer who wrote and performed on The Ben Stiller Show and then spent eight years as a writer and producer on The Simpsons. His stand-up special, I Know It's Wrong, was one of the best specials of the 2010s. In 2016, Gould created the IFC comedy horror series, Stand Against Evil, and in 2021, his latest project is a web series called Hanging with Dr. Z, with Gould in the starring role as the Planet of the Apes character hosting a talk show with modern-day celebrities. Gould caught up with me over Zoom to talk about his love for performing as Dr. Z on multiple levels, how his message to the comedians at Just for Laughs Montreal in 2015 still resonates personally with him today, and more. So let's get to it! So Dana Gould, last things first, because that's the name of the show. How long have you had your Dr. Zayas costume? <laughs> I beg your pardon? What are you talking about? I know Dr. Zayas. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's not mine. It, uh, it belongs, the whole rig, the whole kit and caboodle mm-hmm. uh, belongs to Andy Schoenberg, who is a, uh, a makeup artist at KNB Effects that does The Walking Dead and, and, and all of that stuff. And um, he, he applies the, the, the makeup. The, the origin of of how me me appearing as Dr. Zayas uh, came about uh, is is sort of uh, interesting. Um, years ago, a hundred years ago, I was a writer on the Ben Stiller show, and um, I wrote a, uh, a sketch uh, for the show. It was a it was a you know when a when a play comes to town, like when Hamilton comes to. Mm-hmm your town they have a commercial like, here comes Hamilton. it's just clips of the play and and the and the idea that i had was that uh that uh planet of the apes the musical was coming to town and this was before the simpsons did it this was 1992 i guess right. um and uh and so uh um uh, i wrote it and then then you have to have a uh, the b sketch for the second act in the show was from the producers of planet of the apes the musical uh, Hal Holbrook is Dr. Zayas as Mark Twain tonight. And that was the, and the, it was the second one was uh, Dr. Zayas as Mark Twain. Uh, and then the show got canceled before we got a chance to do it. And the whole reason I wrote it was just to be in the makeup and do it. I thought mm-hmm. it would be really good. Um, I had nothing to do with the Simpsons version of, of Planet of the Apes and Musical. I think that was mostly David Cohen, I think, wrote a lot of the, those music, uh, those songs. Okay. Um, and that was before I got there. Um, and I don't think I, my songs weren't as good as theirs. <laughs> but but uh, the, the earliest, uh, the earliest video that I can find. It was 2012. 2012. So right, that's 20, right. so it, that's, that's 20 years after. Yes. And that's, that's the second part of the story is uh, John Hodgman found a photo of uh um, it wasn't Dr. Zayas, it was James Whitmore, uh, who was the leader of the uh, presidential assembly in the movie. And he was reading the biography of Mark Twain on the set. And he had that photo and he went, somebody in the Internet, give me a video of, of Dr. Zayas doing Mark Twain. <laughs> and uh, and I didn't even know about it. 
but we were talking on the phone and he mentioned it and I just said like, Oh, that's funny. I wrote that sketch 20 years ago. I was like what? And they go, yeah. And I told him the story that I just told you that 20 years ago, I had this idea. And he said, well, I'm doing sketch fest in San Francisco. Would you want to do it? And I was about to go, no, that's insane. I can't do that. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I know makeup artists. I'm, I'm really good friends with all the guys at KNBFX. Um, Greg Nicotero, who's the, the N, is one of my best friends. And uh, so I said, let me, call, let me call you back. And it was, it was like it was, this phone call was really crazy. I just like called up. I was like, hey, Greg, it's Dana. Uh, do you know anybody that I can pay to like fly to San Francisco and do a, a Dr. Zayas makeup on me for Sketchfest? Hang on a minute. Sure. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> that, that was it. So I, so I called up John and I said, "Yeah, no, I'm in. I can do it. I'm in." And that and 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 the the reason that I wanted to do it was one, you know, just to do it, but but because the makeup is exact. I mean, the reason it works is because it's exactly what they had in the movie. It's not a cheap, crappy version. No, it's, you you are you yeah. become Doctor Z. Yeah, and that's the only way you can do it. That's the only way you can do it. Is it's got to be specific. And so the you know, as a performer, I wanted to hear the audience realize <laughs> that it was exactly what it was told. You know, I wanted to hear the audience go oh, oh you know and it's exactly what happened you can see it on youtube uh you know w- once they realize that it's not like a crappy mask that it's really dr sayas uh it was super super worth it it was really great and then and then joel and then i thought that was it like okay my career as dr sayas is done and then um uh a friend of mine was doing a Christmas show at Largo in Los Angeles and said, uh, Paul Williams, who's in battle for the planet of the apes is doing this show. Would you want to do Dr. Zayas again? And I went, well, hang on, let me, Hey, you want to do this again? Sure. You know? uh, And uh, so then I did it again. And then Joel Hodgson was doing the mystery science theater uh, telethon. I was like, would you want to do it again? Sure. And then uh, Turner classic movies called, (laughs) Because they were doing it as a Fathom event, and I know Ben Mankiewicz, and he called me and said, could we interview? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and then it just kind of snowballed into this weird side career of, uh, of Dr. Z. And, and then over time, the character developed. It really developed on the TCM thing mm-hmm. of, of him being just this sort of ubiquitous. It was like, like when Orson Welles would go on Merv Griffin, when – in like the seventies and like, and name drop. Like I, I'm fascinated by that era of show business. That was so, uh, you know, these, you know, these, the Vincent price, like you know, these guys and they just were like, dude, I'm doing Hollywood squares this week. I'm doing McMillan and wife next week. I'm going into England in two weeks. You know, I just love that life and that career. And it's, and when it was showbiz and right. uh, unapolo- unapologetic, uh, not ironic, not uh, unapologetic showbiz. And these guys that worked all the time. And I love that world. And, uh, and I love the idea of Dr. Say is just like planet of the apes was a movie he was in, but, you know, he's like, you know, he plays Mahjong with Alan Alda. He's uh, he goes antiquing with Suzanne Flechette. <laughs> like all that stuff. Right. He has a life yeah. after the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just a celebrity works. It's, it's, it's really. Uh, yeah. It's really based on uh, like all those 70s 
uh, it, there's a lot of Sammy Davis Jr. in it. Just like you know, everybody's great. He's friends with everybody. He knows everybody. He's done everything. What like, what the, what the kids would consider old Hollywood? It's it is old Hollywood now, but I but yeah. I really love it. It's uh it's unapologetic, and and I'm in a like uh, I have a lot of a lot of my friends. Um, uh, I have a group of friends that we're all on an email thread, and it's uh like the you know, like Leonard Malton and Drew Friedman, the cartoonist and Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski, the screenwriters and, and, um, and um, uh, Dan Klaus, uh, you know, it's like, we all, it's just like every day, it's like a weird thing about Burt Mustin or some weird, you know, like some obscure uh, Chris Shapan who did the commercials on hanging with Dr. C. It's like the more obscure, weird sixties or fifties or sixties Hollywood character actor, uh, the better. And, and it's just, you know, cause it's a world that's gone, but we love it. But you're, you're, you know, you were doing those appearances last decade, right about yeah, the same yeah, time. Well, yeah, the 2010s. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But you were doing these, these appearances around the same time that you were developing and creating stand against evil. Yeah. And I wonder, did you ever think about pitching it then? No, I didn't. You know, I didn't. The show Hanging with Dr. Z was not my idea. It was Rob Cohen's idea. Rob, okay. and I, Rob uh, we shared an office on the Ben Stiller show. I mean, that's how I met Rob. And we've worked together ever since. Rob and I created a show on MTV called Super Adventure Team. And Rob directed the last two seasons of Stan Against Evil. You know, he's uh, a com. You know, uh, I spoke with him this morning. He's, you know. <laughs> my best friend and we're creative partners. Um, and, uh, uh, and, um, he, one day we were trying to think up something to do with Dr. Zayas. And we, we were going to do originally a, like a documentary based on, um, and I'm going to mangle the name. I think it was called Henry Miller is alive and awake. And it was like a day in the life of Henry Miller wandering around his house in Big Sur. And we thought it would be interesting to have Dr. Zayas sort of like driving around L.A. talking about his career. And then uh, and then we kind of worked on that, stopped and started. And then and we we're doing other things. And then he just one day he he said, uh, you know, why don't we just do like his his talk show from the 70s? And I was like, that's it. That's it. Yes, we're doing it. And it was the pandemic. So uh, it sort of lent itself to like that space ghost right. kind of thing. Uh, you know, we could do it COVID safe. And um, and we just did it out of pocket. I mean, me, Robin and, and Pete Aronson, who was also involved in Stand Against Evil, we all did it. Um, you know, we we self <laughs> we paid for it ourselves because we're idiots and uh um and 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 made it and but the good side of that is we had no we did exactly the show we wanted to do we had no notes we had no you know it's like this is this is how we wanted to do it we just called our friends said do you want to do this thing and and uh uh i think now that it's been done but if we do when we do a second season we can get like some uh some it'd be interesting to get people that i don't know as guests but we can say like and i and and or like i have friends that uh, like didn't know about the show that i wouldn't have asked to do the show mm-hmm. but now that i know that they're fans of the show uh i'll like i'll hit them up for season two of speaking specifically of and again like i i'm very very lucky in that i know people that I'm fans of 
you know, and like, right. I'll get you an email from somebody that I've like, I'm a fan of, and it's bizarre to me. Um, and specifically, uh, Frank Black from the Pixies. <laughs> like, said, like, today's my birthday. And the first thing I did was watch Hanging with Dr. C. Wow. <laughs> I was like, well, if we get a second season, you're getting a call. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, it's and it's and it's crazy. And like, it's never lost on me that like I just like go to my girlfriend. Well, I just had it. Well, I just emailed Frank Black. <laughs> what what's your day like? <laughs> well, also, also for the second season, I mean, you could have real sponsors. Not that you're. Uh, well, yeah, that's the, bad, well, but yeah, no, no, no. The, yeah. I mean, I'll always have, we'll always have Fuxley products and they, they come from Chris, Chris Shapan, who's a, a genius. Um, and Mike church makes the commercials. Uh, Mike up church makes the commercials. Um, and uh, they're brilliant. And uh, yeah, the, 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 the trick is we need to uh, right now we're sort of flying under the radar because Disney owns Dr. Zayas. You know, Disney owns Planet of the Apes because uh, they bought Fox. Um, and so uh, there's parody law that allows us to, to do X and Y and Z amount. But we, you know, right now, basically, it's like, a, it's like a Star Wars fan film. If we're not making any money, there's no reason for them to get their hackles up uh if we start monetizing like people mm -hmm. keep going like where's the merch where's the merch where's the where are the mugs and like where's well right now we're yeah. yeah right now we're being we we don't get the tea we get the people want the mug <laughs> people want his coffee cup his johnny oh, right. Carson coffee cup um and uh and so that's what we're talking about now as we go to the season two do we just want to go to disney and go hey how do you want to do this because you know it's not we it's parody law we're not crapping on the movies we're not crapping on disney it's very loving to you know it's very in intentionally it's very silly and positive i didn't want it to be you know i wanted to do something especially with you know i i i, I when people talk about my stand-up they always go it's so dark it's so dark and <laughs> i don't think of it as dark at all i just like this is the stuff that i find funny mm -hmm. um um but you know, with the pandemic and Trump and all that stuff, I, I really wanted to do something that was just completely stupid and silly and positive and, uh, and for lack of a better word, kind. Uh, and so that was, uh, and, and, and <clears throat> it was interesting in that when it began, because we would tell people like, that's oh, kind of like between two ferns and, and people would come into it with that attitude of like being shitty and we would stop and go, no, you know, this isn't. And I remember this on the first day. We just stopped it and went, this isn't working. Don't do it. And we didn't know. Like, we're finding the show still. Mm -hmm. And and that's when when we really. And then Rob wrote on a big piece of cardboard and taped it right out of my eye line, Sammy. And, and, and that was the tone. And and it was like, yeah, that's it. It's Sammy. And I was like, we're going to go back and do it again. And it's all like, you're the greatest. No, you're the greatest. No, you're the great. No, you're the greatest. That's that's what the show is. And I just thought that pe that people needed a break. <laughs> you know, yes, we, I, all, like, we all have yeah. needed a break. But yeah, and I love and I'm a big fan of stupid. I'm a big fan of smart, stupid. But it but it also sounds like you didn't go into hanging with Dr. Z with with any sort of agenda that most of the younger comedians have when they make web series where it's like, I'm oh, going to make, no. I'm going to make these videos and then I'm going to get the attention of nope. Comedy no, no, Central no, no. or Showtime or. 
No, we're we're too old. <laughs> no, but that was a beautiful. We just like we're. I mean, we all have other careers. I'm, you know, Rob is a director, and he's, you know, Rob's going to Illinois to direct something. I'm in writing a a big movie right now. Um, uh, you know, we all have other careers, and this was this was uh, a, a, a you know literally like a labor of love. Like I love this stuff. I love this world. Let's just do it uh, and and have fun. And you know, it was, it was the pandemic, so it was. You know, we wanted to be able to do something and 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 have a good time, and that's uh, that's was the origin of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was literally like, you know, it's sort of like my pod, my podcast, my my uh, once a month little podcast show, <laughs> is uh, you know, this is what I would like to listen to if I wasn't making it myself. You know, I would watch Hanging with Doctor Z if I wasn't making it myself. I know, you know, you talked about your time with The Simpsons a lot over the years. But mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm curious about is the fact that because you took that eight year break from stand up, <laughs> that eight yeah. year break from stand up to work on The Simpsons, get yeah. married, have kids, like focus on the Being having a, a life up. and a career. Yeah. Yep. That period kind of coincides with a drastic shift in how the comedy business operated. So yes. when you came back out, suddenly People are on YouTube. People are making podcasts. People are yeah. doing all of these different things that they weren't doing in 2000. Yeah, no, I, I stepped away right when I would have. <laughs> it was like I had a Mersey Beat band and I stepped away in 1964. <laughs> like, now's a good time to take a break. <laughs> I'll come back in 71. Um, <laughs> Did it feel like you were a time traveler, like re-entering? The atmosphere of, of well, it was. Ex- I mean, I, the longest I'd ever gone without doing stand up before the pandemic was, you know, I think six weeks. Like I would still do it, you know. I'd go to Largo and do sets, but it wasn't the same. And I w- I could feel myself getting shitty <laughs> and, and rusty, and um, uh, and it affected me. Like I really like missed it, and it, it's such an integral integral part of my person personality that I felt like I felt like a like a surfer. Joel Hodgson once described it as like being a surfer and you're on the beach, but you don't have a board. Like you can't go out there and do it, <laughs> but you really want to be there and do it. And and that's exactly how I felt. Um, so it was exciting when I went back into it because I didn't know if. I was still good, you know, and if I could, cause I, you know, false modesty aside, I was, I was at my, you know, I was, I was really good and I, and I didn't want to go back and suck. And I was afraid I might. And, uh, it, uh, I remember the first like road gig I did, um, was in Philadelphia at Helium. And I, you know, I hadn't been on the road doing a week-long gig in years. And uh, it took, like, two shows. But I think, like, like Friday night, like, first show Friday night, I just, like, I hit it. And it, it felt great. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I still have it. I still have it. And it felt great. I mean, and I really... You know, and I, I think I've done my best work as a stand-up since that time. Um, you know, I, I, and uh, uh, so, uh, but it was a big, it was a big risk, uh, not for anything other than my ego. Um, 
And uh, yeah, the business changed. I think the good thing about the business that's changed is the advent of YouTube and things like that, that it, it sort of, it took down the gatekeepers. Like, you know, I, I, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, especially with like the, 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 the tonight show and those shows are great, but they're not crucial to your career anymore. And, right. and you don't have to go through a segment producer that's like, well, Dave doesn't like it when you make a callback that involves a liquid. So change that. Like, well, I, I know this works. I do it. Every, yeah. And, and then it's, you know, I'm, I was never, uh, comfortable in that format anyway. Um, and so uh, it's it sort of those things aren't as uh, important as they used to be, uh, right. which is good. You get you can speak to your audience uh, directly. I have people when people come to to my show, uh, nine times out of ten, they're fans of my podcast. Uh, I don't hear like I love you on Seinfeld. I love you. On, you know, there's Simpsons fans. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I never you know, I, I, I never like I love you on Conan. Love you on this or Kimmel. It's like, no, I, I love your podcast. Um, which is great that you can reach your audience directly and you don't have to go through, you know, whoever the segment producer is on a a, a late night talk show who's been assigned to you that, you know, doesn't really know stand up. Right. And while, while, you know, being a finalist in the San Francisco comedy competition (laughs) in 1986, it was a huge deal. Yeah. Being in the, being in the competition, being in the competition, (laughs) but being in the competition now, like they still have it, but do they, do they really still have it? But you don't hear anybody getting any juice out of those things. No, nor should you. I mean, it's. A, I mean, a, you know, comedy competition is like a painter's competition. It's, like, <laughs> it's so subjective. Like, you know, Wait, well, I think I, you know, I, you're, I think you're funnier than, you know, like, you know, the fact that Robin Robin Williams came in second. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> I th- but Sinbad beat Ellen DeGeneres, so. There's, yep, I think I was there. I think I was in that that year. Was it? Was that eighty five? That was eighty five. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the I, I wasn't that, that. I wasn't that year. I uh, I, fl- I flunked out early. <laughs> and the other yeah. and the Henry Miller uh, video was asleep and awake. Asleep and awake. Yeah, that's yeah. that. Asleep and awake. Yeah. Um, but you are. You know. Are you, you up have, in the Bay Area? Is that where you are? No, I'm in. I'm in New York City. Oh, okay. But I but I started getting deeply involved in comedy when I lived in Seattle in the late nineties. And, oh, so, okay. and so the you know the only, there was, yeah, the so where'd you go? The underground? The underground, yeah. Yeah. That was my home club at the time. Yeah. And Giggles, which was the most depressing week of stand up <laughs> in my life. Giggles, I almost wanted to quit again. I really did. I really did. Terry Taylor was not that it was not that good for you. No, I was awful. I was it was the the whole club was terrible. It was like, you know, it was, it was like a sketch. The doorman is the bartender. He didn't, he wouldn't pay for a wait staff. But for people who don't understand this club, this guy tried to, he, he didn't understand that you have to spend money to make money. Like, so you go into the club and the first thing you, first thing you notice is that all the photos on the wall have been there for so long. They're degrading. The, the, the literally chemically breaking down and like the half of the photo is stuck to the back of the frame. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of them are friends of mine that are now dead. Like the whole thing was like a, really bizarre. And then the doorman it, takes your tickets and then you go in and 
like there's a step down when you go into the showroom there's a step down and to signal that you had a step down he didn't want to pay for lights i guess so he has two mismatched traffic cones they weren't even the same kind of traffic cone it was those two mismatched traffic cones and then and then he would run in and, and make an announcement that if you wanted to drink you needed to go to the bar and then you go to the bar and the guy that took your ticket and made the announcement is also at the bar uh the green room was a keg that you could lean against while waiting to go on and then um he paid you in cash that was close to the amount you had agreed on. <laughs> you have this drug dealer roll of ones and fives to fly home with. And then I, I remember just sitting on the in the hotel room with this, just like, what am I doing? And I turned on the TV and Superbad was on. And and Judd, I started with Judd, like, like on the Ben Stiller show. I was like, why am I the brown-haired Gwyneth Paltrow in this game of sliding doors? What happened? So you were there in 2007. Okay, that dates it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was well, that, was it, did that only go for one year? That's no, probably about right. No, that's super bad. That's when Superbad came out. Oh, yeah. Well, it was on TV, so it was oh. whatever. So oh, it was, okay. might have been 08 or 09. But um, it was around that time, and I was just like, I remember calling my manager going, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Well, but you've rebounded from that because I remember, and I gave you high praise for this in person at the time, six years ago in Montreal, when you gave the keynote address. Oh, right, yeah, which yeah, was, yeah. You're doing it now. Yes, right. yeah, <laughs> which is true, which, which is still true. Yeah, it's like, you know, you made it. <laughs> You're doing it. Right. You know, it was it was your pep talk to comedians, but also to yourself, I think. Oh, sure. Really? Like- oh, yeah. That's a much easier talk to talk than walk to walk. I mean, I have to remind myself of that all the time. But well, that it's was- very true. It's, it, 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 it's a very true thing. It's like, you know, I, I look back on my, you know, the <clears throat> some of the things that are the highlights of my career, and I, I like to think that the the biggest highlights are still to come. But a lot of the things that were I look back on as highlights were things that I did while I was trying to make it. And it's like, no, you, you, know, you, you know, like you're on Seinfeld. You, you're, you made it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if this works, then I'll No, this is good. You did it. No, you're, you're doing fine. You're doing great. <laughs> you're doing it now. We're doing the podcast now. But I guess, yeah. yeah, if you if you start out fresh out of high school at 17 and then a year two later, week, yeah, two weeks out of high school, and then a year later, you're meeting George Carlin and getting advice from him. And then a decade or so later, you're interviewing him for HBO. Yeah, it was crazy. You can sort of you can sort of feel like, oh, yeah, I should be that. Is, I mean, everybody has that, that feeling where you feel at a certain point, I should have made it or is this all it's going to be? Yeah, but and, uh, and a lot, yeah, it's true, and and it's also it's it's very fleeting. I mean, you 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 know you 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 have to enjoy it for yourself because all of the external metrics are are completely irrelevant, you know. And I I, I always I'll, I'll give you two examples, you know, like Elvis Costello was. You know, seventy percent of the music I own is is Elvis Costello, and I buy everything the day it comes out. 
I go to see him every tour. You know, I'll go to L.A. and 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 a town close to L.A. if he, if I can do them both. Like I just love him. You know, you don't hear him on the radio anymore unless you listen to a, like a a, a a a '90s or an '80s station. Um, and my kids don't know who he is, and you know, kids in their twenties don't know who he is. Um, but it's a so. But is he a failure because he's not in the rate? No, it's like you create this body of work and then it goes out into the world and it's beyond your control and you have your audience and your audience stays with you. Um, and so, you know, you have to enjoy it for the work that you do because the the the, the attention of the public is going to come and go. Um, uh you know, you don't hear him on K-Rock anymore, but it doesn't mean that he's not still a genius and he's not still brilliant uh, and he's not still making great music. It's just like you move you move on with your audience. And, and you know, the other <clears throat> Robert Schimmel, like I knew Bob Schimmel and Bob, uh, Robert was very tuned in to the metrics of his success. Like, you know, he was like, you know, he was Howard Stern's favorite comedian. He sold out Atlantic City and XYZ. His merch numbers were actually bigger than so and so's merch And then he died. And, you know, the world took about 20 minutes. And they, yeah, it was a shame. And then they went on. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. that's it. It's like, you better have enjoyed it for yourself because when it's over, people just go, yeah, he was nice. What else is there? How do you, how do you reconcile that? though with the the endless barrage of metrics that comes with being in social media whether it's twitter or facebook numbers or youtube views and subscribers oh it's it's crazy like patreon you have a a patreon for your podcast like how do you like go okay that's a good number that's or or that's just what the number is i don't pay attention to it i don't know how many patreon followers i have i don't know how much i make on patreon (laughs) i do i have a business manager that does all that i i just like how how am i doing am i losing money or am i making money (laughs) i don't pay i just don't i mean i'm very 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 lucky in the sense i'm very busy i have children that keep me very busy and right um and and you know i'm uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm very good friends with Patton Oswalt. Patton, Patton and I, uh, we talk every day. Uh, we text every day. And, uh, and, and I think that we do kind of the same thing. Uh, not, not the same jokes, but we're, we're, we're in the same, you know, if, if, we were if, you, band, if we were bands, we would play in the same festival. Right. And if there's algorithms, I go, if you like Dana Gould, yeah, exactly. you'll like that. Well yeah, yeah. Patton is much, 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 much more successful than I am as a stand-up comedian. He sells out bigger venues. He has bigger numbers. There's a, I'm fine with that. You know, it's like, that, great. Good for you. Mm-hmm. You go. You know, it's like, I like to be in the parade. I like to watch the parade. Um, I've, can, I, I, I always make musical analogies. And it's like, yeah, I wanted to be Bruce Springsteen. I'm X. I'm really happy being X. <laughs> you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen knows who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, you know, he, but not, but the, you know, the comedy Bruce Springsteen knows right. who I am. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't, I, it, it's funny. I'll, uh, I remember 
working in, in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, this is back in the 90s. And I was walking around listening to Fresh Air on NPR, the mm-hmm. Terry Growth Show. She was interviewing T-Bone Burnett, who was one of Elvis Costello's producers. And, and she was interviewing him. She's like, you know, you produced Elvis Costello's album. His album's a big hit. Your wife has a, a, an album right now that's a huge hit. Uh, and, and you have an album, and, and if it doesn't sell as much as your wife's or Elvis's, do you? And he just said, "I uh, I don't live competitively. I I don't view my life as a competition." And then, hundred years later, I'm at some big fancy showbiz party, and I meet him, and I tell him that story. I go, "Like you said something that I think about all the time." Bubba X Y Z, and he just goes. Oh, really? Did I say that? That's funny. I guess it's just one of those things you, you kind of say, you don't think about it, and it goes out there. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I live competitively. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, but it, but yeah. those are good words to live by. Um, well, yeah, you go crazy. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, like, look, I, I, I liked when I have a tweet that gets a lot of, of retweets, but I don't let it. I, I'm... Uh, I I really do love the weird little crap that I do, and as and I as I said to Rob when when we started doing hanging with Doctor Z, I said this is going to be like everything else we do. It's going to be two thousand people's favorite thing, and nobody else is going to know about it. <laughs> you know, it's ten thousand people's favorite thing. But and one of those people is Frank Black. So and one of those people is Frank Black. I mean, come on. So yeah. yeah. So congratulations on that. Uh, yeah. I know our time is up. I'm a debaser. Um, He's before, not a debaser. I'm a debaser. <laughs> before before Zoom lets us both go, yeah. um, can I break any news on, I know before the pandemic you were working on a concert film with Bobcat. Yes, that's really. Is there literally, any news on that? Uh, oddly, I'll show you my phone. Why, look who texted me while I was talking to you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we are waiting to hear, uh, it's done. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's sort of a combination of a concert film and a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm editing the album of it now and, uh, we're waiting to hear, uh, where it's going to air. Uh, you know, it's out now and uh, different venues are, are bidding on, you know, where it's going to air, but it's done. It's called Joyride, uh, cause it also follows us on the road as we, Go on. So it's really great. Bob, Bob made it. You know, it's brilliant. Well, this has been a great joy ride, but unfortunately it's over. So oh, thank you so much. So <laughs> thank you so much, Tina Cool. <laughs> I really appreciate this. Anytime, man. Anytime. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.